Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And for the second week in a row, I've got my friend Don Keithley back with me, and I won't go into his introduction again. I'll just say, welcome, Don. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you, Paul. It's always good to be with you. You're so easy to flow with. I, it's, our, our time flies when I'm with you. I always enjoy it. I really do. I do, too. And it's certainly mutual. And as we get started, I want everybody to see this uh, copy of your new book, Hell's Illusion and Exposing the Myth of Hell, which we talked about last week. But gosh, what a great book. I encourage people to go to Amazon.com and get that. And like me, you'll want to read it more than once and certainly use it as a, a great reference book because we keep having those ideas of, of hell popping up in our heads. And we talked in our last episode of how some of us are just really reluctant to give up that concept of hell. So, Don, why do you think that is? I think there's a number of reasons. I think we've all been groomed by religion to think that we deserve hell. And so religion thrives on creating a separation or a need. You know, there's an old sales formula that says problem plus solution equals sale. So religion is good at coming along presenting a problem that you're lost, undone, separated from God, totally depraved, born with a sin nature, bent toward evil. That's the problem. But I got a solution for you. And if you don't buy the solution, then you pay the consequence, which is your decision. It's your choice. God, God doesn't send anybody to hell. It's your decision. So I think one of the reasons people have a hard time giving it up is they, they feel that God is justified in sending people there. I mean, you know the argument, God is love, but he's also just, you know, he's also just. So People tend to become like the God they serve. And so when you serve a God that's judgmental, cruel, vindictive, angry, then we become people that are cruel, vindictive, angry. Mm -hmm. And we tend to feel that it's just, you know, your decision, it's, it's only justice that you be punished for your indecision. And so... We've, we've been groomed to thrive on insiders, outsiders, haves, haves, nots. Uh, this group has it. You don't have it. And so I think it also makes us a little bit uh, self-righteous and secure to feel we have it. And maybe somebody else doesn't. They could have it if they wanted it, but that's really their call. So I think the bottom line is people are hesitant to give up their concept of hell, first of all, because they believe God has destined those that don't believe in Jesus to go there. And so they certainly want to be on God's, they want to agree with God. They want to have uh, the same outlook that he has. And so they, they adopt the attitude that this is, this is the way it all works. This is the way God set it up. This is the way God designed it. And it's just our moral responsibility to agree with God and go with his program. 
And it's been inbred in us that that's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible teaches. Yeah, and I'm seeing more and more, and you've done quite a bit of, of teaching about this, of how how in, uh, especially in evangelical circles, we, we've come to worship the Bible and give it equal status with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with the just sort of blind allegiance that, uh, well, whatever it says in there, it's got to be true. And gosh, there are so many reasons why that's not true. Uh, I mean, we we could talk all day about uh, errors in translation and editors' errors and scribes' errors and inserting things that aren't there and deleting things. And <laughs> I think what we really feel is that the Bible is true based on the way we read it, based yeah. on our view of it. A yeah. Baptist has an entirely different view of Pentecost than a charismatic does. Right. So we all say we all have the Bible as the basis of our authority, but no two groups agree on what the Bible says. So it becomes a matter of how you have been discipled. You know, discipleship in most churches, and certainly it was in my church, discipleship was an indoctrination program to get them trained to understand what we believe and why we believe it the way we believe it. Mm. So when you are discipled and trained that the Bible says it a certain way, that's what you accept because you think that's what's true. That's what's right. Mm. And when the Bible says, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. And that's what they told us. And nobody ever researched did background, nothing, just took it at what we said it says, then we have people that are going to fight because their security is based in what they believe, not their relationship to the Father. So I find that when people have, when their security is based on their relationship with the Father, they can talk about theology or different beliefs all day long without getting offended or angry, because that's not where their, their security is. But when our security is in theology and belief systems, and it shakes our security when they're challenged. So when I write a book like Hell's Illusion, I'm really challenging belief systems. So the people that are going to give me the backlash on this are the people who believe this and have security. And I'm good and my wife's good and my kids are good because we all did what we need to do to miss it. But you deserve it because you didn't do what we did. And that's the way they've been trained and indoctrinated by their church, because that's the way we read the Bible, through those lens. And we're not encouraged to question that in those environments. You know, what you were saying makes me think of my daughter and her husband and her, their wonderful family. They live in uh, Augusta, Georgia. And uh, when we were there with them a few weeks ago, driving around, they're showing us the town. They just moved there recently. And uh, you go down one street, and the first church you come to on the left— is the Holy Trinity Church. Two blocks later, same street, on the right is the Most Holy Trinity Church. Oh, no. Are you serious? Dead serious. <laughs> Dead serious. So that Most Holy Trinity is probably a break-off from the Holy Trinity Church. I bet you, I'll bet you anything it's a break-off. It probably is. <laughs> and, uh, oh, gosh. You know, one of the things, one of the differences, and we, we've seen lots of them, I know, but the, the Lord has really shown me, he said, Paul, what I want you to be all about is helping people get to know me who I really am and learn to hear from me. And 
in the next breath, I heard him say, how silly it would be for you to think your job is to try to get people to believe exactly what you believe. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's true. I think we have failed in church to get people to hear for themselves. Yeah. Because it keeps them coming back every Sunday to hear us tell them what he's saying. Yeah. but, But that's one thing that's going on today. I think all over the world is people are learning to hear for themselves. And as teachers and guys that are out on the cutting edge like you are with your program, we need to encourage people to hear for themselves. You know, his sheep do hear his voice. And we're all at a different place in the journey, so we all hear a little bit different. And I understand that. And we all understand that. But that's where grace comes in. Well, it is. And I've heard you teach uh, different times on how we're all at different places. And and people like, for example, Joseph Prince, they're at a place in time. They're helping people on the journey. For where they are, uh, gosh, I, re- I remember some years ago when I, I listened to Robert Schuler, and I wasn't anywhere near uh, Grace yet, but you know what he was saying was resonating to me. And then everybody has a a place. Yes, and I thank God for men like Joseph Prince. They're a great bridge. I see their ministry as a bridge from religion into grace. In my personal opinion, does Joseph Prince teach a radical, pure grace? I don't think so. There's still some mixture of law in there. But he gets the ear of those that I don't get the ear of because I'm up there where the buffalo roam and the deer and the antelope play in their thinking. So Joseph Prince can get them to a place where I can begin to speak to them and take them further. So I think they, they we all fit in, and I think we need to recognize that. I've heard a lot of people kind of speak disparagingly of other grace teachers or people because they're not teaching at the level they think they should. But I don't. I think we've got to back it off and recognize that they all have a part in the journey and help people get to the next place. I certainly yeah. don't know it all. I'm I'm trying to help people to get to the next place, and there are going to be teachers come along after me that go way beyond me. And they're going to say, what's wrong with that Keithley guy? He didn't see all this stuff. He's only teaching some of it. Well, my job's to get him to you, brother. You care further. <laughs> you mentioned when we're recording this, it'll be a few weeks before people actually see it and hear it. But you mentioned that last weekend you were in Houston uh, with Malcolm Smith and some other folks. And I think of, uh, uh, I've gotten to know Malcolm a little bit and uh, love his teaching too. And to think about how some years before we started seeing what we're seeing now, Malcolm was on the cutting edge of, of that stuff. I first heard a uh, first cassette tape. Remember the old cassette tapes? Yeah. You'd rewind them with a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> I first heard Malcolm's uh, in 1980. And uh, he was teaching Blood Covenant. And uh, one, of the, one of the men in my church said, hey, listen to this guy. He's really got some interesting stuff to say. He had this English accent. He was in a bishop in a church. And I go, oh, yeah, OK, whatever. But the guy was what he said was was so revolutionary. And we were together last weekend. Malcolm's 82. But I'll tell you what, he's still going strong. He's being flooded with revelation. He. He is an unbelievable character. You ought to really interview Malcolm. He would, uh, he'd love that. Yeah, I know that he would, and we're working on that. I, I did one interview with him, but it wasn't a video. It was uh, just audio. And, you know, I asked him one time when I was emailing back and forth, and I said, if somebody like me were to ever come to San Antonio for a day, you know, would you be able to, you know, have lunch or something? And he said, Absolutely. 
Yes, he will. We worked that out. I, I flew out early in the morning, uh, got back about midnight the same day, but he was waiting on me at the hotel. He uh, and, and we spent several hours together. And, oh, man, it, what a treasure he is. He really is. He really is. I spent hours with him when we weren't in the conference sessions. And uh, it's just like being, I call him the Grace Pope because he was, uh, <laughs> he was, he was Grace when Grace wasn't cool, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's still not cool with some people, but uh, <laughs> I, I I so remember uh, when I was transitioning our church and preaching it down about 100 people a year at a time, but I, I remember some wonderful brothers came to me and said, okay, we got grace now. We got it. Let's, let's teach. Yeah, let's go on to something else. <laughs> and I'm going, what? I wanted to say, no, you don't have, you don't get it. But uh, I I might even have said that in those days when I wasn't as suave as I am today. All right. So Hell's Illusion, you mentioned on your teaching, well, you mentioned somewhere that I heard you that you're thinking about the next book that'll maybe come out at Christmas time. What do you think? What's that going to be about? We're working on a book called Religion Busters. And so we're going to take, probably take some things that religion has taught us and counteract them with what grace and inclusion would have to say about some of those things that have, again, have held people in check and bondage, held them back from the full abundant life that Jesus promised we could live now. Don't have to wait to get to heaven to get it. We can live it now. So there's, there's probably, I don't know, any number of things that I'd like to hit in the book that I think would grill some sacred cows and bust some ideas of religion maybe in people's thinking. So we'll see how that that comes along. But I think that's going to be the title, Religion Busters. It'll go after some long-held teachings that maybe don't hold good water, scriptural water, when we look at it close. Well, we'll look forward to that. And what's on the horizon for Global Grace Seminary? You know, we're real active in looking for that student that wants to continue their education, but maybe doesn't have a lot of time to be in a classroom setting. So they need to be able to to take their education as they're free and able to. So we're still offering our bachelor program, our master's program. We really want to get our doctor's program going. And we're we're having a little snag is we're having a problem getting someone that can really head up that area. That's a big area to head up and it requires a lot of interaction with students but that's probably our Steve McVeigh and Cecil and myself. That's probably one of our top priorities is to try to get that thing launched, get it put together and launched. So that would probably be our next coming attraction. I think we'd also like to add maybe another bachelor's degree or two in some areas. I'd really like to expand out into maybe business. If I could get some uh, grace businessmen to teach business principles from a grace perspective, that maybe we could offer a bachelor's degree in business administration, uh, something like that. I think coaching is a big area that people are interested in. I'd like to have some courses in coaching. Uh, we've also expanded a little bit. Now, we are, we're offering courses on a non-credit basis for, for people that are afraid to write papers, take tests, and do the things to get a degree, but would still like the education. You're able to take the courses on a kind of an audit basis get the teaching and go through everything that everybody else does without reports and and the exams, which seem to really scare people who have been out of school for 50 years. (laughs) 
Well, I, I was out of school for 50 years, and I can certainly testify that the Global Grace Seminary uh, experience is well worth it. And uh, once you get in it and do it, it's not scary or intimidating at all. It's challenging. Teachers are really good, very in-depth, and challenge you to think. But any pressure that's there is self-imposed. Yeah, we, we've right? really tried to keep the price extremely low. You know, he, you can still get the 125 credit hour, which is a lot of clock hours, but 125 credit hour course for $2,500, which you can't go anywhere for a semester for multiples of that it would take for one semester. So we've been able to keep the cost low. We don't really receive anything from the school. We just keep it operating. We have a couple of administrative people that are paid, but our heart is to train people in this message, especially leaders, pastors, church leaders, small group leaders, to really be able to infiltrate the culture with this message. So I wanted it to be the seminary of this Reformation. That's, that was my vision. Well, as you've been teaching lately on visualizing things, that's come yes, true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, gosh, that has come true. All right. Well, we'll look forward to the next book. I want to remind people again, they can see you at Don Keithley Ministries on Facebook at the Digital Cathedral every Sunday morning. You've been teaching this year through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and I highly recommend people watch that. And you go deeper on Wednesday night, again on Facebook, and those are great ways uh, that I've found to connect with you, to hear your teaching, stay on the cutting edge of this. Anything you'd like to say about those two ways of communicating? I think that is a great opportunity for you to not only hear the message, but when you have friends that maybe are beginning to show some interest in what you're learning and, and why you're changing the way you're changing, it's a good way to bring them over on Sunday morning, have a cup of coffee and, and uh it just catch teaching firsthand and allow them to interact with you as we're teaching at the Digital Cathedral. We have pockets of people around the country that gather in houses on Sunday morning and watch as a group. And that, that has proved beneficial to them to be able then to add to the group. And it's a different dynamic when you have people in a living room watching the same thing, interacting together. And it tends to make it easy to integrate somebody else into the group. So I think it's a good way to introduce people to the message. It is. And, uh, you know, hindsight's great. I think, wow, how wonderful it would have been to have had that type of uh, teaching and setting and interaction available when I started, Boy, <laughs> when I started, yeah, on, yeah. but I thought that many times, yeah, but we've got it now, and so, so grateful for it. I think that's part of maybe of what Jesus meant when he said that you're going to do greater things than, than I did because he was limited to one person and one body at one time. And are, are like you on at 10 also on Sunday morning, or what time are you on Sunday mornings? I'm on at 11. 11. Okay. Well, they can catch me, then catch you. Yeah. And several of our people do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and they generally say, well, you guys are saying the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same, same frequency. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Well, Don, thanks again. And I again want to tell everybody Hell's Illusion is just a great book. If, if you've ever had any questions about, wow, how, how can God be love and be good and at the same time, send people to hell forever and torment them. Don't question anymore. Get this book, read it. You'll understand how the illusion came about. You'll be set free from that. Uh, you can get it at Amazon.com. And 
it's a great book, and thank you for putting it together. You're very welcome. It's, I, I enjoyed it, and I think it's going to be a help for a lot of people. I hope so. I hope so. I'm sure it will. Our, our friend Tash, uh, when I uh, told her that we'd set up an interview time, she said, well, that's going to be a hell of an interview. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I probably just undid all the good things we said in that. <laughs> but at any rate. So thanks, Don. I appreciate you and we'll see you again another time. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.